here we go. All right, let me make sure I've got everything. Um, okay, it starts on that. All right. Get my head about me for a second. Hello, I am uh, Chris William, executive producer and moderator for uh, what has been on the air for 30 years now called Carolina Business Reviews, uh, weekly syndicated on every PBS station across North and South Carolina. And this installment is a bit different. We've been trying to do this once or twice a week, and that is to reach out and have an unrehearsed dialogue with somebody in leadership in the region. Could be a CEO, could be an EVP, could be a governor, could be someone in a role of influence that does influence policy and drive decisions. Um, we're doing that this time with somebody pretty special, and I'd like to fully disclose I have been and still am an employee of Wells Fargo for the past 30 years, and our guest is in uh, the chain of command near the top of Wells Fargo. She is uh, somebody who has uh, uh, led several different sections of of the bank. She is now uh, Senior Executive Vice President, Chief Executive Officer of Consumer and Small Business Lending. She leads the Small Business Banking for Wells Fargo, as, as well as the Consumer Bank. That's 91,000 employees. That's 21 million retail households, 3 million business owners, approximately 5,300 branches in 36 states across this country. Uh, we now welcome uh, Mary Mack. Mary, welcome, and you look well, and you look healthy, and I hope that's the case. Thanks, Chris. It's great to be here. Thank you. Mary, uh, let's get it. We'll, we'll get into financial services. You, you've seen a thing or two, but before we do that, Governor Cooper in North Carolina is probably this close to making the decision about phase two coming up this weekend on Friday. We have seen South Carolina has already gone into phase two. This may be a little bit outside of your area of dominant influence, but you are a daughter of the Carolinas. So we want to ask you, as you grew up here, as you lead here, among other places, Gary, how would you balance this idea of public health and public wealth? How should we proceed? So we, like people all over the country, are spending a lot of time on just that question. How do we think about return to the office? What does return to the office look like? Uh, we are, are following every bit of advice and guidance, information, trying to gather it everywhere we can, uh, both from what the governors are doing and deciding, what our public health officials are sharing with us, and our uh, position on it has been that we, um, we've become more productive than we maybe ever realized we could be in a work from home environment. So we're delighted with the progress that, that we've made and our employees have made over the last number of weeks. And we wanna be careful. So we won't rush into anything that um, is uh, uh, maybe the new entry back, but we wanna be thinking about customer demand, what do our customers need and want from us? Customer safety, team member safety. We've had a lot of time to experiment with that over the last several weeks, and so we'll continue to follow that path. But again, no rush, yeah. but really thoughtful, informed decision-making that we have the advantage now of being able to watch a little bit of what's happening and how it's unfolding across the country. Do you find at all the associates within the bank at Wells Fargo are they getting anxious? Are they chomping at the bit? Are they being patient? What, what are you hearing? So we've got a number of people, you know, something on the order of 270,000 of our employees, 200,000 of whom are working from home now. Mm -hmm. And we've been really pleased with the ability to move roles to work from home that we never contemplated before. Contact centers, we've got a majority of our contact center uh, employees, for instance, that are working from home. 
And we have a number of our employees that have to come in to serve customers. And our branches made a lot of format changes in our branches. I think the, uh, the level of uh, confidence of our employees is directly related to the investments we've made into safety in the workplace. And, um, and that feels pretty good right now in terms of social distancing, different formats from our branches, et cetera. But those are our folks who want to serve customers. I think I hear from a lot of people who are working from home that they miss the interaction and environment that we, that we have when we're together. On the other hand, nobody wants to move faster than we should uh, from a safety standpoint. So yeah, there's, there's probably a little bit of anxiety on both sides of it, right? I want to get back and I want to know it's safe to be back. I want to be in front of customers when I need to be in front of customers and I want to know it's safe there. So we've, I think we've achieved a, a pretty good balance of that. We're seeing a little bit more traffic in our branches now. Traffic was down a lot. The stimulus and um, EIP payments to consumers and, and some of the small business efforts have driven traffic a bit, but we're managing to that reasonably well. I know you interact with a lot of your contemporaries at the other large banks in the country, Bank of America, of course, being one, and also a, a, a friendly competitor in your, in your home district of Charlotte. But this idea of the exchange of information, and as you talked about customers and clients of Wells Fargo, what do you hear from your contemporaries regarding what the new experience for those same customers are going to be going into retail branches or maybe not going into the wealth management offices or not lending online? How does all this change now post COVID? Well, we we're all watching everything out there in terms of consumer behavior, how much of the consumer behavior is going to stick, uh, how much of it will, um, well, perhaps, I, I'm not sure I think, Chris, it's going to revert back. We're actually seeing more digital adoption than we've ever seen before. That's really accelerated. For instance, mobile deposit capture. I don't know if you've ever deposited by taking a picture of your check, uh, but you should if you haven't. Um, we saw that um, up significantly in March as it uh, started. Oh. As it starts, sorry, my, my iPad times out on me. Um, as it, it's the work from home uh, uh, that we're all dealing with. But we saw that up in March, really significantly in um, April. But April, year over year, mobile deposit volume, dollar volume, was up 87% year over year. So people have really leaned in to alternatives. We, in fact, have been collecting data from customers on a daily basis and then sending them notes or calling them and saying, hey, you were in our branch yesterday. We're happy for you to come into our branch, but did you know that you could do what you did at home? Sometimes they didn't know it's a great opportunity to educate. And sometimes they, people like to meet with somebody and we wanna be there when we do, when they do. So I think we'll all think about what needs to be in person and where's, what's the highest value that our people can add and where is, where is that? How, do, how did our work patterns and behaviors evolve? How do customer behaviors evolve? Um, we'll see. You know, we saw in the last recession, uh, one of the things that was different was people behaved differently. We've got a whole new set of dynamics that are driving this environment now, and, and I, I think we'll see the change. As you well know, it's nothing, nothing new to you, but lending is a big part of any bank, and certainly commercial banks and large banks like, like Wells Fargo. Et cetera, et cetera. When, when it was apparent that COVID was going to have more than a passing impact on the American economy and certainly in the Carolinas, 
uh, banks were pressed into play. The government responded. Mm -hmm. Governments responded, specifically the payroll protection plan program. Uh, banks, it was a very uncertain time for everyone, including the banks trying to push that money out. Wells Fargo took its share of criticism, not doing it well. Take us back to that. Talk about how that was in the early days of making sure those PPP funds got out and the applications and the Wells criticism and where we are now and what next steps are. Yeah, so, you know, when PPP came out, uh, it was, the guidance was iterative. We were learning uh, really daily and weekly from uh, the SBA and Treasury, what the guidelines were, what the responsibility of lenders was, uh, the Q&As that came out were clarifying that. We were really thoughtful as we went in to understand what our responsibility was, to review documentation, to um, uh, not, not just, again, to process, but actually to have our eyes on the documentation that a small business owner would submit. We needed to solve for things like system capacity. We had a focus on our smallest customers early on because of some um, early uh, uh, work that we need to do relative to the asset cap. And then we were delighted to get some um, clarification on how we might participate uh, even given the asset cap. So all of that was happening at the very beginning. Our getting the program right, understanding it, making sure we met our uh, regulatory and other requirements as an institution, um, and then beginning to process through with our customers. So again, focus on the smallest customers means sometimes the data we get is not quite as um, uh, standardized. We accepted anything that a customer had, whether it was a, a more sophisticated payroll run or they were sending us their check register. We were wanting to take in whatever our business customers had that they worked with. That led to, with the variability, a little bit more manual process to work through with customers. What I'm delighted now is that we've got over 160,000 um, guarantees from, uh, for our customers from the SBA. We're still processing for customers, but these are customers who the first time or two didn't submit the required documentation and we've gone back to them and said, hey, would you like another chance? Our calculation under our responsibility doesn't match what you're applying for, but if you have other documentation, we'd like to see it. So we're on round sometimes three and four with a customer trying to make it work for them. Um, and I feel good about that. Uh, 50%. Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 please finish your thought. Please. I was just going to say 50% of the loans, uh, the guarantees that we've secured have been for under $25,000. 80% of the guarantees we've been, we've secured have been for companies with less than 10 employees. So I really feel like we're leaning into the spirit of uh, PPP in terms of the support for perhaps some of our most vulnerable small businesses out there at the lower end, the smaller end of the, the spectrum. Do you, do you think a lot of, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but do you think a lot of the public fear was based on what had happened at Wells regarding the fake account scandal opening, et cetera, et cetera? Do you think a lot of that was, was transposed on top of this uneven, uncertain PPT, PPP process? I, what, what we experienced was the anxiety of small business owners, one, who were nervous, scared in this environment because things had shut down and they were dependent on traffic. And two, as you remember, round one funding went very quickly. 
it was more about the processing at that point than it was about the end customer because we had lots of customers who needed support. So we were delighted when Congress came back in with round two and then made it really available and about the customers who maybe need a little bit more time or help in getting their documents and uh, information ready, that those funds were available for them too. A couple more questions. We know you time sensitive. Lending is a big part of a bank's growth. The interest income, as you well know, is 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 key to a bank's revenue growth. So if we have Mary, if we have low interest rate environment, and it it, it even talked about negative interest rates in the U.S., is that a possibility? How does a bank grow its loan portfolio if it a doesn't want to make those loans, or b does make those loans and has a quality of loan issue? and or there's just not the kind of loan growth that you need or want? Well, our focus right now is on uh, the customers we have and making sure the customers we have get the support we need. they need. So we have set up really frictionless ways for customers who need deferments or support in this environment. We are being really careful around uh, lending because we have a responsibility for customers not to get and pile on to de- with debt that they don't need right now. So our focus has been less on loan growth and more on customer support right now. We'll come back to those questions of loan growth and, and uh, what does that look like. In my world, it's different in, in the wholesale businesses. You, uh, I'll get you in touch with them to have that conversation. But in my world, in the consumer space, it's, um, it's really more right now about customer support. Uh, final question is, Wells Fargo has a new CEO, and a lot of people look at him after a line of CEOs, when you go back to even the first union days, which I know that was your legacy. What is, what is this, uh, this, and I'm going to call it a boyish-looking CEO, what's he like? What's his experience like? How is he assimilating within what, what the Wells Fargo culture has been up to date? So, uh, Charlie is, has been a great catalyst for the right kind of action, I think, here. Uh, He brings in deep experience really across all of our businesses. If you think about what his career um, has has done in terms of preparing him for this, he's got a lot of consumer experience, which is fantastic for me, particularly as we're sitting here in this environment. Uh, But he also comes in with a real clarity of focus. He's got a sense of urgency around getting the risk issues resolved and behind us. Um, He doesn't bring um, our history. He brings his experience in solving similar problems at other institutions. And that allows us to really move through things pretty quickly. But that sense of urgency, clarity around the path that we're on and where we need to go and assembling the right team, which is a mix of people who have been here as well as people from other institutions who bring the skills and again, the experience at solving similar issues, I think is allowing us to accelerate progress. And that's what we need right now. Mary, uh, we're going to let you go, but really appreciate you taking the time because I know you're drinking out of all fire hoses. A lot of people at the top of organizations are, you know, you have a, a character of being optimistic and practical and tactical when it's needed. So, um, and I can't be completely objective, of course, as I said at the top of this dialogue, I am a Wells Fargo employee, but you do have that reputation. And I know, um, and I know Wells and the community that you live in appreciate that. So thank you for taking the time. We hope you stay safe and stay well. You too. Thanks, Chris.